Hello everybody, this is Sifism Ledger and I am the host of the African Reform Theology Podcast. This is the podcast where we discuss theological issues, cultural issues and political issues facing the African in the South African independent churches. So in this episode, I will be doing more of an introduction, so a more bit detailed in the introduction. So we will be looking um, at um, an overview um, of the podcast. So yeah, what I will do firstly, we will discuss the state of the South African independent churches. So we'll be looking at the, the doctrinal and theological issues facing these churches. And then secondly, we will um, try to give an overview of a reform distinctive or what reform theology can offer uh, in these churches in solving these different uh, theological issues within these churches. So within the state of the church in South Africa, um, we will um, look at two things. First, we'll look at the charismatic um, impact, and then secondly, we'll look at sect and cult impact uh, within independent churches in South Africa. So firstly, in charismatic um, um, churches. So this is a broad, of course, it may include uh, the term charismatic churches might include the churches that are charismatic but are not problematic and don't have too many problems. But generally, a uh, rule of thumb is that charismatic churches are mostly um, unhealthy. And that means that they have a lot more going on there. They have a lot of theological issues uh, that um, um, kind of causing a lot of uh, problems. So I I in this term by charismatic um, churches, I am referring, of course, broad in a sense to all the charismatic churches, but specifically charismatic churches within black communities that have uh, a lot of um, theological uh, problems or theological doctrinal issues. So we will be uh, focusing mainly on uh, what is known as charismatic ministries and then but also we'll talk a little bit into other mainline uh, mainline charismatic churches so within these um charismatic ministries so charismatic ministries of course refers to um uh, the charismatic um uh, movement or pentecostal charismatic movement so in this sense in this sense then we are referring to the churches that um mainly um, charismatic in their theology. And there's a lot um, going on, especially within these ministries. These ministries, they are almost everywhere, uh, especially in big cities, in, in Durban, uh, Johannesburg, uh, Cape Town, almost um, everywhere. So um, these uh, ministries, they are led, are mostly led by uh, leaders who call themselves um, apostles or prophets. Um, they really call themselves pastors. It's mostly, you know, these um, terms. Um, um, this goes back to uh, the early church. So um, within these churches, there is a lot going on. And there's a lot that has been going on also in the past. Um, so we have uh, basically within the charismatic churches, you have um, two groups. So you have mostly the extreme uh, group, but you also have um, a moderate 
group. So within the extreme groups, you have mostly those that call themselves um, the prophets. So uh, in this case, you have prophets, uh, you know, Bushiri, for example, um, even though he is no longer in South Africa, he's a Malawian now. He, he and he went back some some years ago, a few years ago. In fact, he had he was forced to uh, go back to Malawi. Uh, but he's just one example uh, among, among many extreme charismatics. So this uh, group of um, extreme charismatics represent um, what we call like charismatic ministries so these are not well established churches rather these are ministries that are led by single men who who dictate everything within the church so and but you also have the other group um that uh, those are moderate charismatics and they have you, you know uh, they have different leaders um, Sono in uh, in in Johannesburg and a different like Antlapo in in Durban, uh, Pidinobo and others leaders. Those are almost kind of moderate, um, charismatic. But they are moderate, of course, to a certain extent. Um, but they are also um, quite different uh, from the extreme uh, groups. So, but both of these um, um, churches, they um. Uh, quite um, prominent in South Africa, and they you find them almost in every corner um, of them of the street, especially I I in those big cities. You find the charismatic churches everywhere, and um, there has been a lot that has been going on, especially within the extreme groups. So you have um, uh, prophets or apostles who has. Uh, been to um, had uh, news headlines uh, reporting, you know, uh, news reporting where they were feeding um, uh, people snakes um, and, uh, and grass. Some were sprayed with doom, and it's different things. And all these represent extremes uh, that somehow even the moderate might condemn, even though in some cases they don't condemn these things. But um, these are the extremes side of the charismatic. But you also then how now have the the moderate. So the moderate, they are kind of a well established um, churches, or, or you can call them also called ministries because they are not mainland churches, but they are mainly churches that are well established, and they are mainly sometimes mega churches might, might also might be considered. And in these churches, um, you have um, mainly the problem of prosperity gospel. In fact, even within the, the extreme side, you do have the problem of the prosperity gospel. And prosperity gospel, obviously, it is a branch of the charismatic theology, uh, or the latest branch, at least. So um, within um, these uh, um, churches, you have um, a, a very strong emphasis on the prosperity um, there are many problems with the prosperity theology, and we will look at these um, specifically in the future. But just to name a few, of course, it is the exploitation of people. Uh, people are poor, they don't have jobs, so when they are promised more wealth, they will obviously then give more money uh, to these leaders. So these um, are leaders that are quite prominent in, in, in South Africa. They're almost celebrities. and So um, that kind of um, a charismatic group on its own, but you also secondly, as I've said, you look at the sect and um, the cult impact within uh, South African independent churches. 
So um, within certain cult, you have um, churches that um, might be considered sect. Some might see them as actually cult, but uh, I am convinced um, some are sect, but some are definitely cult. So within sects, you have churches that um, known as Zionist churches. In fact, as a matter of fact, I am um, a Zionist. I grew up as a Zionist back home. Um, my dad is still a pastor in Botswana, a pastor in a Zionist church there, but of course a, now a different Zionist, not the same as before. But these churches are, are known from syncretism. So what syncretism means basically is that they're mixing uh, South, uh, South African or African um, traditional religion with uh, Christian Orthodox or Orthodox Christianity. So they mix them and therefore by ending up changing both um, the African traditional religion and Christianity. And the mix uh, is different. Some mix is more strict, and, but some is a bit more loose. So it means some is more practical and some is more hypothetical or theoretical in terms of mixing uh, worldviews. But most of these churches, in fact, all of these Zionist churches have that one common thing that is they syncretize um, African um, traditional religion with Christianity to some different extent, of course. So um, these are mostly sect, I, I would call them, uh, because they still kept um, the, the, the true faith. They still um, um, preached um, justification somehow by faith. And of course, one may argue to what extent if you still uh, colorate or bring in um, African traditional uh, practices on the other side. But nevertheless, the gospel is still there, and especially within the old ones. Um, they're still there, and they still preach the gospel of Christ, uh, that you're safe from sin, and, and, and so forth. Uh, but you also have um, those that kind of is um, um, in the middle between the sect and the cult. And I will personally categorize them as cult. So this is ZCCs. And some people see ZCCs as the same as Zionist. ZCC um, um, stands for Zionist Christian Church. So uh, the Zionist Christian Church um, is somehow, of course, in terms of name, still have a Zion, a Zion in it, but it's not necessarily the same. Uh, it's somehow different, and we, again, we'll look at this in more details in the future episodes. But the ZCCs um, are kind of um, are different in terms of their practice um, and in, the, in terms of their attires and, and how they worship. So they have more differences than similarities. That is Zionist and ZCCs. But um, what makes them a cult is how they are very much inclined in worshipping of their leader, Lechanyan. So they um, very much um, kind of idolize um, their leader and even though it is not clear of their theology, many things are hidden in their theology, but if you look at their hymns, they pretty much basically um, they will say venerate but um, it's almost worshipping of the leader and that is one mark of um, a cult the, the cultic tend to worship um, their leaders more and 
Um, another cult that, that um, is worth um, noticing or mentioning is uh, Shambhaism. So Shambhaism is um, dominantly in Guazulu-Natal uh, region, but is also in, in other places. So Shambhaism uh, was founded uh, by uh, Shambhaism. Uh, so Isaiah Shambe and the the founder of this uh, cult, of course, began as somehow orthodox. So he was a preacher, a preacher in some churches. But then, in the founding of this uh, denomination of his church, then he began to somehow draw more attention to him, and some sort of miracles were um, um, uh, told uh, of him that he performed, but. They, there's not much proof uh, in it. So this cult, uh, Shambhaism, syncretized African religion with Christianity even more. And in terms of pra practice and their beliefs, it's quite uh, clear and, and strict uh, syncretism. And even more, again, even worship of their leaders uh, makes, it, um, makes them quite clearly a cult and not a church. And uh, also we do have Aldam uh, cult in uh, black communities uh, in South Africa, but these are kind of, you know, universal uh, cults such as um, um, Jehovah Witnesses, um, Twelve Apostles, Apostol as they are known, um, and also have, also have Mormons, but Mormons are not um, that common, it's mostly uh, Jehovah Witnesses and uh, Apostol. So Abapostol also makes African traditional religion with Christianity quite strong also, but they have a lot of wrong things that they, they teach, and we will again look at these, uh, these things in, in more details. Uh, but Jehovah Witnesses, they are well known, all the errors uh, of them. Jehovah Witnesses, we will look at them in more details, but these are well-known cult or universal cult that you will find almost everywhere that you go. Now, secondly, the thing that we will look at um, is the necessity of Reformed theology within black communities. So uh, why is Reformed theology necessary and what um, does it have to offer uh, with, uh, to these churches? So we will basically look at different things and we will look mainly at five um, benefits of Reformed theology uh, in a nutshell. So the first benefit that we'll look at of uh, Reformed theology is the historical root. The Reformed theology have a strong emphasis of uh, historical theology. So historical theology traces the development of theology throughout history. And um, in that sense, it aims to look backward in order to look forward. And in, in that sense, then, it um, you know, depends the root um, um, in, into the history of the church, but not only in terms of historical theology, but also in confessional uh, theology. So confessional theology, again, is, connect to, is connected to uh, historical theology in the sense that um, confessions are the result of sound theology or historical theology. So in that sense, um, confessions uh, push the boundaries as to where the church, how far the church should go, and it it's protects the church against the errors both from within the church but also from um, uh, outside of the church. So, and the second benefit of um, uh, Reformed theology um, to these churches would be the issue of authority, or sola scriptura, as to put it, uh, one of the five solas of the Reformation. Um, sola scriptura 
um, teaches that um, the final authority of the church is not uh, the pastor, is not the man of God, um, it's not the apostle or the prophet, but it's the scripture. So in that sense, um, the Reformed theology takes the final authority or takes the authority of the church from a leader who is fallible and gives it to God uh, in his word, which is infallible, without mistake and without error, and can be totally and completely trusted. So in that sense, um, the church is protected again from, from any errors, especially from uh, the tyranny of uh, of its leaders, and that benefit of reformed theology to these churches are the distinguishing marks of the church. So the problem is that if we cannot define the church, how can we look for a healthy church? Right. So in order to to look for a healthy church, in order to be part of a healthy church, we have to know how to define it. And many of these churches in South Africa, actually, they are no longer churches, but they are simple, the synagogues of Satan. And um, it is sad to see that many people cannot distinguish um, a false church from a true church. To, to many people, church is a church, and if they say they are a church, why not they are a church, even though they don't have any marks of the church. So um, the historically... Um, the three marks of the church basically will be uh, when the Bible is preached, the word of God is preached expositionally, and when the sacraments, secondly, when the sacraments are offered or administered correctly, and thirdly, where the church discipline is um, is practiced. So these are basically the three marks of the church, and or the three marks of a healthy church. And uh, the church that has these marks um, will most uh, mostly be you know be pure to some extent. Of course, it is no perfect church, but the churches that um, have these marks uh, can be or should be considered as healthy churches in that sense. And the fourth benefit of Reformed theology to these churches would be worship. So Reformed theology have a strong emphasis um, of worship, whereby churches. Um, a church um, worship is a worship of God, by God, and for God. So in that sense, um, God is put is, is put on the center of worship, not the man of God, not cultural um, you know, elements, but um, God himself is put in the center of worship. And in that sense, uh, we have uh, principles such as and uh, the regulative principle of worship, whereby God dictates how the church should worship him, not the other way around. So in that sense, the, the worship of the church is kept pure. And uh, fifth, the last one is uh, the means of grace. This is kind of a summary of what we have already talked about. Um, the means of grace are the means from which um, we as Christians uh, receive um um, the grace of God, and mainly in two things, that is preaching and the sacraments or ordinances, whichever term you do, you prefer to use. So uh, in these two things, um, the preaching of the word of God and the sacraments receive the grace of God through them. So our faith is strengthened and um, our faith grows as a result. So many reasons why uh, faith, you know, uh, many people's faith don't grow um, in uh, black communities in South Africa is because they are not part of a healthy church where they receive the means of grace in a meaningful way. And they don't even understand 
um, uh, the means of grace. So these are basically the five benefits of Reformed theology to these churches. And we will look at these, um, of course, in more details, but this just gives an overview of the state of the church in South Africa and what um, the Reformed theology can offer to these. So in the future, we'll look at them um, separately and in more details. So in uh, seeing the state of the church in South Africa, it, it, you know, it's easy to lose hope, but we must not lose hope. We must trust in the Lord. We must have um, trust in, in him that this is his church after all, and he made a promise uh, that the gate of hiders will not uh, prevail against him. So we should trust in, in God and do our best um, to be part of or to be instruments of God in bringing a uh, change within uh, our churches or churches in our communities. So we will look at these um, um, in more details in the future and we'll look at different issues within these churches um, individually now and, and give more details and therefore try to analyze them from a reform perspective and try to offer a way forward in which um, you know the question is answered how, how then shall we as Christians in South Africa live and how mostly shall we share and live our faith uh, within these um, um, different situations that the church is facing so I'm looking forward to the next episode and until then may God bless you